0: even if you cancel. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. You can get titles from your favorite iHeart talent, such as Chelsea Handler, Danny Shapiro, Charlemagne the God, and Bobby Bones on Audible. Start listening now with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com iHeart, or text iHeart to 500-500. My next guest is
1: on the phone, and boy, I hadn't saw this young man by 25 years. For decades though, he's been in he's been in the public's eye. My next guest has presided over Rap A Lot Records, some of the first one of the first and most successful independent rap labels. Whether battling the systematic cycle of poverty, record label executives, boxing promoters, or corrupt DEA agents, he has always emerged victorious. Respect isn't given, it's earned. And recounting his compelling life story, he analyzes the art and science of earning respect and giving respect. And how I apply these principles to your own life? He is on the show to discuss his new book, "The Art and Science of Respect." Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, James Prince.
2: Oh uh, yeah. How you doing, my brother?
1: Hey man, I had to lay you out, James. I had to lay y'all on my show, man.
2: Oh man, I appreciate that introduction. Well,
1: I'm gonna just tell you this, man. JJ, I read your book, man. I, I got five acres, man. You got one thousand acres. <laughs> What? Yeah, man, kid. you made my little five acres, man. That, that ain't that ain't a good part of your backyard. <laughs> One thousand
2: well, acres. Know, I, I started off with a with a quarter. of right?
0: an
2: acre. Mm-hmm. So, so, it was a blessing to be able to uh, uh, be where I'm at, man. I'm, I'm you know, I'm thankful.
1: Well, you know the thing about it is that this is, you know, Rapid Lot Records. If if anybody does not know, it's based in Houston, Texas, and uh, well, his property that we're talking about is also right outside of Houston, Texas, and uh, but when you but when you bought it, it turned out to be an investment for you. That's that's given every year at an annual high profit rate, correct? At one thousand acres.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's, uh, and that was one of the, the reasons. Uh, you know, I looked at several. Uh, ranches, several pieces of property, and it was this one stood out the most to me because it was a uh, a business, and it basically paid for itself. You know, I deal uh, hay and also sell black Angus cattle on the ranch. You know, it produces a quarter million dollars a year.
1: Okay, now, let's go back to how it all started, though, because I'm from Fifth Ward. See, I don't know if you know that, Jane. I'm from Fifth Ward. 3815 Bain Street, right there on the corner of Russell and Bain Street. That's where I grew up. Grew up and my uh, six sisters, two brothers, we lived in a two-bedroom shotgun house. And to be on the national radio show from a, with a fellow young man from the hoods and the streets of Phil I think it's a blessing for both of us, my friend. Oh, no
2: doubt about it. That's right in the heart of the.
1: Now you know what? I, you know, you know, you know. I knew you was a country man. I'm gonna tell you when I knew you was country. When I started reading about <laughs> you, was selling warm chicken eggs in the hood.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely a dollar a dozen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had, names, I had country boys that lived on that street, mm-hmm. and they would send me to the store for them all the time to buy eggs. Right, and. I, realized that I could be the one to sell them that <laughs> egg. You could buy a whole chicken for a dollar back then. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to invest in some of these chickens. And these chickens, you know, lay a few eggs, a dozen or better a week. And bam, I became an egg entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> but you always saw the value. Like I said, a lot of people call it street hustle. I, I, they only say that because it, the individual lives in a, a community like an a urban environment you don't hear the word street hustle if you don't live in the hood. that's just you, you're taking advantage of a situation that you saw profitability a sellability and accountability you say people need eggs I now I know how to get eggs let me sell these eggs and guess what there was people out there buying your eggs but that's how you laid out your whole life correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Between the eggs, and I diversified, and went to cutting yards, and you know what I mean. It went on and on. I was only like eight, nine years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I had several uh, jobs. I worked on the back of a welding truck. You know, uh, man, I was. I just enjoyed having money. I had this uncanny love for money at the age of eight years old, and you know, it all began with me wanting to break the poverty curse you know, where my family was concerned.
1: But you so were stingy, though. Them. You were stingy, though. Remember, you was you, yeah. would, you would just count money, but you wouldn't feed yourself.
2: <laughs> you must have read about that whooping I got.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I got but, a whooping. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got a whooping because I had a pocket full of money, mm-hmm. and, and I was waiting on my grandmother to come home from work, because I was hungry, mm-hmm. but I had a pocket full of money. So after she cooked, you know, I went to jumping and got all kinds of energy, and went to stunting and pull out that bankroll I had. <laughs> and yeah, I got a good work. You you never had yep. this kind of money in your pocket and be too stingy to feed yourself.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: and I thought that was very. Uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a very honest statement, <laughs> you know. And I think that you your whole life when I when I read your book from cover to cover. Um, starting with uh, the fact that, you know, you do, does anybody really know the, the real James Prince? You know, because of the fact that people say you're a hard businessman. They say you're very calculated. Uh, I remember when I met you outside my comedy club I uh, called the Hip Hop Comedy Club. We would talk for a few minutes before you hopped in your car. You came to see me perform. And um, I walked back inside. They said, man, you was out there talking to James. Boy, you're lucky you didn't get shot. And so, but you just, you know, you know, I'm the truth, you know, because because people, yeah. people just felt that, you know, you get around here, you know, you better be ready, you better, you better be on your toes, you stand next to James, especially in public. Was that reputation yeah. warranted, James? No, you know, they uh, a lot of people, man, they have been lying on me for years, you know. I just, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's almost I just, I just became immune to it, man. It don't I don't even allow it. To bother me because I don't know where all these stories come from. You right. know what I mean. Right. Uh, it's a it's a fact that I'm not no joke, nothing like that. But as far as uh, abusing my authority, right. uh, you know what I mean, uh, mistreating one any kind of way. You know I'm not I, I'm not blessed the way I am living that way.
1: Absolutely. No, are you uh, or no, would you be walking around? You know, it's, people who live that life are in jail or dead. You know, we it's, there's evidence of that. There's evidence of that. But all I know is that I was, we was out there talking. It was a sold out show. And he was telling me, he said, man, you funny. I said, thank you. Because Willie D from the Ghetto Boys used to come by the club all the time. Hip hop comedy stuff. He used to live at the hip hop comedy stuff. And, uh, and Scarface would come by there. Never met Bushwick. He was just crazy. And uh never really wanted to meet him once he got shot in the eye. I really didn't want to meet a dude who got shot in the eye and survived. I, I, that wasn't really my bag of tricks right there. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, but just talking to you, that, 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 that allowed me to understand that you was a humble guy. That's what I took away when I met you, a humble guy, a successful guy. Yeah. But you were very humble. And I think that that's, that's the quality that, that, that stands out the most. When I tell people about my experience in communicating to you, because you was at the, this was ninety two, so you was at the height of your success, at that little run there, everybody knew who right. you were, you know, who you were, and and and, and the fact that when you came into my comedy club, it was like it was buzzing, James is in, there, James is in here, James is in here, okay, okay, cool, That's all right, you know, I played it all. all right, yeah, all right, he <laughs> ain't the only superstar that came in my comedy club, come on now, that's right, you know, but that but that humbleness is what carries you today, correct?
2: Oh yeah, you know I'm a I'm a man that you know I I, I definitely believe in giving respect. You know what I mean. I, I believe in order to receive it, you have to give it, and you know I give it. And as you stated, you know what I mean. I've I've earned it, and then in different places in my life, I demand it. So you know, I and I wrap all of that around humility. You know what I mean. I I haven't forgotten where I came from. Mm-hmm know exactly where I'm going <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah that's me man in a nutshell.
1: Well the thing about it is that we're going to go to the next break here in a minute and I just want to set everything up we're going to talk about Floyd Mayweather that experience we're going to talk about uh, you know how you had to take control of your career we're going to talk about Drake you know that was instrumental and because uh, I never understood why Drake you know always called Houston home and it really came home to me when I read the book and how your son was inspirational uh, the reason for Drake being Drake and uh, brought it yeah. you to your visionary because you didn't see him, but your son saw it. your son's everybody. Lil Wayne didn't see it, but your son saw it. we'll be right back That's with right. my man, James Prince, fifth Ward King. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to money making conversation on the phone is, uh, I'm gonna call him a fifth Ward King because he gives back to the community. And a lot of people don't know that. And you know, 2007 when it was, uh, when they gave him a day in the city of Houston, People need to understand they don't just give our days. You know they they'll shake your hand, but they don't just give our days. This is the fourth largest city in the country. They gave him a day, two thousand seven, because he gives back to the community and he represents. I'm always teasing because, uh, you know, he presides on a thousand foot, thousand acre ranch. You know, thousand acres that's some Ponderosa stuff. That's some uh, Bonanza stuff. That's some Big Valley stuff. You know, I didn't know they had thousand acres. They was passing out around the Houston area, but this black man. This boy from Fifth Ward, this ghetto boy, they got a thousand acres and he's selling hay. He said, hey, now, how many black people, you know, selling hay out there? Angus cattle. Angus cattle. He using not just regular cattle. He said in his bio, in his bio, Angus. So he got a name on the type of cattle he sells. James. Black, Black Angus. Black Angus. See what i I love this dude. I love this dude. So why is it so important, James, that you give it back to the community, man? Because you're raised in that community. You can walk away, man. You don't even live in the community, man. But you keep giving back. Why is that so important?
2: Well, you know, let me correct one thing before I answer that question. They, they on July the 6th, they gave me another day, Rashawn. You know, I got two minutes. <laughs> So I, they didn't took me from one to two days, you know what I mean? I'm I'm thankful for that, and, and I chose to spend uh, feeding the homeless and clothing the homeless yes, sir. on my day. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. the way I spent that day. Mm-hmm. But um, it's important for me to uh, give back where I'm from, man, because, you know, I, I couldn't totally be who I am today without uh, my community. You know, mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that my community shaped and molded you know, played a real instrumental role in shaping and molding my character mm-hmm. to who I am today, you know what I mean? And for me to uh, uh, walk away from that and not want to contribute to mm-hmm. those, uh, you know, in my community is like a slap in the face to me, you know what I mean? I don't understand no man that make it and abandon, totally abandon where they're from. And, you know, as you said, I've had all kinds of individuals, to tell me I shouldn't go back. Mm-hmm. I should do this. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking of law. You know what I mean? And my thing to them is I'd rather be dead than to abandon Fifth
1: War. I know that's right. I know that's right. And, brother, I'm right there with you. That's why I told you. I'm going to let everybody know. It's, it's Fifth Ward twins on this call right now. Two boys that were in the hood. And, we you know, we, they call us statistics. You know, we're not supposed to get out. I'm, I'm not going to lay out everything on this show. Read the book because the book is worth reading because it lays out that that's how you get that reputation of okay you you know james you know he's rough to talk to just because he asked what he's supposed to be getting he asked for it. and then if he and if you say it kind of slow he's gonna rough it up a little bit in tone because sometimes you got to rough it up a little bit in tone because people are just oh. in the, especially in the entertainment game you know they are they'll push you right to the side of the wall and keep walking now if you let them keep on, keep on that keep you on that wall guess what they're gonna keep walking by you and that's what really what stood out of me about reading your book is that individuals, whether it's corporations, high-level uh, 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 high, high level management, lawyers, rappers, boxers, you always came back and got the truth out of them, James, to say, man, okay, you don't want to do business like that, but you owe me, right? Let's go admit that first. Because once you got them to say they owed you, then guess what? They had to pay you, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you, they admit to owing you, and they know they owe you. And you still may have to twist the arm or do some creative things to get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I do believe, I do, Richelle, I do believe in the what, when, where, and how uh, situation. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? Structure of whatever I'm trying to accomplish. You know what I mean? I believe in asking those questions, and then from there, I'm going to execute.
1: And that's what I loved about it. And I want entrepreneurs to hear that because this show is about entrepreneurship, motivation, taking away your success and letting everyday people realize that it can be applied for them. And then the, the beauty of this, here's the thing about it. Everybody talks about vision boards, talking about write down your ideas. That's the big thing now. In his book, he shows you handwritten notes. In the end, he shows you handwritten notes that he wrote that he had a vision I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and when he did it, he checked it off. I it, that had to be the inspiration for this book, man. That even back then you had a plan and you stuck to it, James.
2: Yeah, no I did. And 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 you know, it was at one point I used to keep everything in my head because I didn't know the real power of writing it down and looking at it every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't re- gathered that until I read the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I uh, understood just a little more the uh, concept of writing a goal down, the the concept of prioritizing things with structure. And and I started executing it in that manner. And, you know, it was me executing on steroids at that point.
1: Absolutely, because that was the reason you took over Rapid Lot Records. You started... You're saying look i I, I, I want to I show how I can run it, you know because after you read that book, it gave you the uh the step the plane of action that you could do this right. the, the thing I like right. about it is that you know I always tell people you, know, you can tell your kids not to listen to something you can t- but if they they listen right, they could also be equally successful that that comes in the situation you didn't allow rap music to be played in your house, but then your son right. your son <laughs> discovered one of the most influential rap talents in our generation, and Drake. And then when he brought him to you, you didn't understand it. When he brought him to Lil Wayne, he didn't get it either. But that didn't stop him because he got that same quality <laughs> that you got, James.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and my efforts was, and I, and I felt it worked, is to do it with balance. You know what I mean? I think everything has to be done with balance because sometimes when you just let them go, then they'll consume at 24-7. And and by me, you know, keeping balance, I think even where Jazz was concerned, he didn't, like, uh, uh, lean too far right. Uh, with the hardcore mm-hmm. rap. So mm-hmm. he was able to hear uh, something where Drake was that I couldn't even hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I couldn't even hear because I had programmed my mind to – be so you know, off to the gangster side of rap until I couldn't hear that commercial crossover thing that jazz heard uh, Drake was concerned.
1: You know, before I go with this in end, in this interview, I got to give you your conversation about Floyd Mayweather, you know, um, I got to give you credit, man. You know, uh, you, you, you got him started in that direction, reworked his HBO deal. And, um, so just tell us about that experience, because there's so many things in the book that uh, I want people to read. I want people to buy the art and science of respect by James Prince. Um, he's one of the great historians of rap music from the standpoint of when you read the book it's like a it's like a, l- a lesson of how to do it right. But just tell us in short about your experience with uh, Floyd Mayweather. And uh, and uh, let's, we wrap this up on a high note, my friend. Yeah, well, you
2: know, of course I built a recreation center and and pool court basketball facility, uh, the uh, the gym, the weight room, the computer room, and then I built a boxing gym all on the same piece of property in Fifth Ward. And boxing has always been my first love. And after observing the amateurs in the boxing gym, I decided, you know, I said, okay, it's time for me to, to get back into boxing. And you know, I did. I, I remember, you know, praying and asking the Lord to bless me with a champion because every goal, everything I ever uh, tried to accomplish in life, I prayed first before I executed faith. So, you know, I went on to set up a meeting with Mike Tyson in Las Vegas, went to went to Las Vegas, watching Mike Tyson in the gym, sparring, and Floyd Mayweather happened to come in the gym as well. So, You know, Floyd kept coming to me trying to hold a conversation, and eventually he left his number with me and said, Hey, man, you want to do something tonight? Give me a call. So I went home with Mike Tyson to have a meeting with him uh, that afternoon, and, you know, eventually Mike got his wife on the phone, and, you know, Mike told me, I want Prince to be a part of my team. So I went on back to my room later on that night and got up the next day thinking I was going to, Going to visit with Mike Tyson before I left or whatnot, and his phone was not working. You know what I mean. I mm-hmm. think his yeah. mm-hmm. uh, manager, Fed Group or whatever that guy's name was, disconnected the phone. Mm-hmm. So I was left with Floyd Mayweather number. I asked my friend, I say, uh, "Who is this guy?" And he told me, he "Say, oh, that's Floyd Mayweather. He's a hundred and thirty pound champion." At that point, you know, a red light went off in my head because I said, "Man, I pray for a champion." Tyson ain't even no champion. At, at, He wasn't a champion at the time. He's just the number one boxer in the world. So, bam, within a week period of time, myself and Floyd Mayweather, you know, was in business together. I'm
1: going to tell everybody, please buy this book. Uh, James, thank you for calling my show, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Feel for a king, baby. You keep winning. And you keep winning Thanks, for bro. the community. You keep winning for your family. And anytime you need me. If you got another day, let me let me introduce you, brother. Let me introduce you. My man. Thanks a lot, bro. All righty. Keep winning, everybody. This is money making conversations.